I'm Arie Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. The WNBA is full of amazing stories of hard work, dedication, and will. In a room full of inspiring people, our next guest stands out. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com while you're there check out our overseas tracker it's live now you can see where your favorite WNBA players are all playing overseas all in one place is an honor of mine to welcome our next guest to the show, drafted in 2012 with the 23rd overall pick, but made her rookie debut in 2019 with the Washington Mystics. But now she is known for much more than that. Our next guest is Shay Petty. Shay, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm well. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. So if our overseas tracker is correct, well, I already know it is because we spoke a little before we recorded this episode, but you're in Turkey right now, uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna butcher the name of the team, Nezib Aydin? Nesebe. Aydin? Nesebe Aydin. Nesebe, okay. And Aydin, all right. I got to get better at that because I have some Turkish friends who will be mad if I butcher that. Um, how are you doing? How's your season going? Uh, the season's going really well. We're currently in third place. Um, it's pretty much a shocker to a lot of people. Um, they came from the second division last year. So it's their first time in the Super League. Um, we were considered the underdogs to the beginning half of the season. Um, we was able to, you know, we lost to Galler and Finna the first the first uh, half. And we kind of made a name for ourselves. Now, you know, teams are respecting us. Um, we have a chance to go from just trying to just stay in the top division to maybe making it, you know, a little further in the playoffs, hopefully semis and hopefully um, a chance at a championship. That's really cool. I, I always love those stories of the teams that kind of burst onto the scene and start intimidating the <laughs> opponents. But take us to the beginning. I mean, not not to drop your age, but you were a 30-year-old rookie a few seasons ago uh, in the WNBA, rookie with quotation marks. But if, if you could share with us your story of how that came to be, because I know you were playing professionally for many years before that, but kind of Take us to the beginning. How did this all start for you? Well, like you mentioned, I was drafted in 2012 um, to Chicago. Um, I didn't make the cut. Then I, I went overseas to Israel, played that season, had a pretty decent season. And then the next year, Washington invited me to camp. Uh, unfortunately, didn't make the team that year either. And after that, I kind of just got discouraged. Uh, you know, you you play basketball, whatever sport or you love and your dream is to you know make it to the top and playing for the league has always been a dream of mine to see my chances get cut from me two years in a row I kind of just got defeated didn't think I would get another opportunity and I was contemplating on whether I should just quit basketball find a new career um and I I debated for a while about you know if, if it just wasn't for me I'm not good enough this you know this is my time to prove to myself, you know, and to the daughters that I could make it, and I didn't. But fortunately for me, I just decided to stick overseas. Um, I played, ended up playing three years in Germany, 
um, in two years in Latvia. And I think it was like a five-year gap between my next training camp, which is 2019. Um, before that, I had a, a good EuroLeague debut. So I think that's what, you know, Coach Chibo saw, and he invited me back out. So I get to training camp again, and I'm, I'm excited. And unfortunately, you know, the last day, he's like, you know, I'm sorry, but we have to go a different direction. We really like you, and we want to um, – you know, people might be leaving for the uh, European break that was coming up. So we, we might want to bring you back. And usually coaches say that all the time, like, you know, we could bring you back. You know, I've heard that before, so I didn't get my hopes up. So during that time, I was um, in position to get a Latvian passport. So once I got cut, I had flew to Latvia to, you know, get all the paperwork going. And then once I landed, like two days later uh, or a couple of days later, Coach Tebow called me again. He was like, hey, um, so, you know, such and such left to go for the national team. We wanted to bring you back. And I was sitting there like, uh, I just landed in Latvia. He's like, oh, we told you. I was like, I know, but I didn't think you were serious. And I have a chance to get a European passport, so I don't know what to do. He's like, well, let me know what happens. And then, like, 48 hours later, I ended up getting denied the passport. So I called him right back, like, hey, I'm on my way back home. Is the offer still available? He said, yes, of course. So I went and was able to play um, a couple games with them and just, you know, really get involved with the team. And then once, you know, the national team was over, he had to release me, but then he kept me on um, as a video coordinator helper. Um, I'm not really sure what the exact, <laughs> the exact term was. I think he kind of just made up something, a position to keep me – keep me on the team with the team. And I, I really appreciate him for doing that. And I was able to stick around, um, end up playing a couple more games throughout the season and was able to be around when they won a championship. So that, that was a very a good honor. Obviously there's a lot that we can dive into and, and talk about in terms of just your professional career and, you know, the amount of players that grind, you know, for, for many, many years overseas that aren't talked about or are, are working tirelessly for just even that training camp contract. I mean, your story is just incredible, but before we talk a little bit more about it, I want to ask about your younger years. Like what was basketball like for you as a kid? Um, when did you start playing? Who were some of the influential people in your life that helped you kind of fall in love with the game? Uh, I've been playing basketball since I think I was a baby. I have like pictures of me when I'm like six months old holding the basketball. Like my, my mom played basketball growing up. My dad played and um, just being from Boston and I grew up in Mission Hill Projects and it was a big basketball community. Like you either play basketball or you were, you were in the streets doing something bad. So luckily for me, I had a lot of people around me just keeping me in the gym, you know, staying out of the gang, staying out of trouble. Um, so so that really saved, saved my life. Um, I, I really didn't grow up with like, oh, Michael Jordan's my favorite player or Larry Bird. Like I looked to the people in my neighborhood who I felt like were, were great players. You know, uh, Will Blaylock, he went to Iowa State. He ended up playing in the league a little bit for Detroit. Uh, it's like Tony Lee. He played at Robin Morris. So just for me, I, I call them, well, we call them hood legends. Like those are people I looked up to who I wanted to, you know, copy, imitate their game. And then I, I, I just, I just kind of stayed with it. Uh, and in high school, um, I went to a suburban school, which is predominantly white, which is a different change for me because in the inner city is 
barely any white people. All the public schools are, you know, predominantly African-American or, you know, Hispanic. But just going out there and just having a, a change of scenery, um, learning about different cultures outside of my own, I think I was able to grow on and off the court. Like I, I went from like just a street ball play, watching the and one mixtapes, trying to, you know, imitate all the crazy crossovers as pretty much a carry now and just learning how to play in, in a system, you know, structured basketball. And I was able to carry on and, and go to college. Um, I was actually super proud to play for my, my former head coach, uh, Tanya Cardoza at Tempo. She's from Boston and she used to play at UConn. So I used to watch her all the time, just like even on the sidelines, like that was like an awe for me. Like I really, really watched the game. I would just watch the TV to be like, oh my, the big old Tanya. Like, look, at I, I know her just, just to brag that I know somebody. And then Michelle Edwards, she played for the Cleveland Rockets, I believe that was the name. And um, her and my godmother are yep. best friends. So she would drive me from Boston to Cleveland to watch her play. And I just felt like, wow. oh, my goodness, like I'm at a WNBA game. This is crazy. Like nobody's going to believe me. So I would, like, you know, then after I'm able to get a picture because I know her. So I had like bragging rights on that. So that's pretty much where I started. Like, OK, maybe I can go for this WNBA thing. Um, but I, I will say when I got to college, uh, I kind of stared away from getting my hopes up with the league. I just knew I wanted to play basketball. So it's like, okay, I could focus on overseas because Temple wasn't, you know, a big time name. It was a mid-major school. And you really didn't see many players from the mid-majors in, in the league. So in my mind, it was like, you know, if you're not a top school or a top name, you're not going to make it. But luckily my coaches stayed on me. We worked hard um, and I was able to get drafted. So, you know, I, I do thank them for that. Real quick, is just just to get the timeline right, this is the post Don Staley Temple era, correct? Oh yes, yes. She uh, uh I think she left maybe two years before I got there. I had just okay. the era, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, just you would have been part of her uh, players tree. I, I I'm a sucker for for mid major basketball, having played and coached in it as as you know, I I just and I love a good mid-major to WNBA story. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, so I, I, I have to commend you for that um, as someone who, who has seen it on all levels. But um, I want to talk about your recruiting process um, just real quick. I mean, you know, what was that like for you? Um, were you highly recruited? Were you um, kind of under the radar? What ultimately kind of led you to make the decision? It was Wright State originally and then, oh, yeah, then Temple. Yeah. Am I am I Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, what was that like for you? Um, it was different. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how high of a rank I was, but I, I was getting a lot of uh, mail from di- from different schools. You know, just sent it to my house, to my to my high school, and it was a bit overwhelming. But for me, I, I really can't explain what was going through my mind. But I would, you know, make official visits to one school this school and then the day of me trying to fly out I'll just get an anxiety attack and I just I didn't go I didn't go on a flight and then my mom's like okay well now you can't do this again so then the next school come around and I'm like oh they don't want me for real they're not gonna take me like uh the girls are gonna hate me they don't want me to be at their school so I didn't go so I, I I didn't have any guidance it was something new for for my family um for people in my community like nobody 
walk me through the recruiting process. So in my mind, I don't have to go. Like I, I'll just push it off. And then slowly but surely, school started recanting, not not sending me visits anymore or letters. So it came down to Providence and Wright State. Um, I initially was gonna sign with Providence, but after talking to my family, they're like, oh, we want you to get away from you know from this New England area. So I ended up going to Wright State, which is in Ohio. Um, I had a pretty, I had a pretty solid fr- freshman year. Uh, won a lot of awards, but in my mind, I felt like it was I wasn't being challenged enough in the um, Horizon League. And so I, I decided I was supposed to leave, and my mom's like, "No, you can't leave. Like that's not professional. You supposed to like you you made a commitment. You got to stick it out." So my second year was just tragic. Uh, the sophomore slump hit me hard, whether it's because I didn't wow. want to be there or it was really a sophomore slump. I, I just played terrible. And I was to my mom, like, I'm sorry, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm falling out of love with the game of basketball. And she's like, you know, I understand. So during that time, uh, Tanya Cardoza had, you know, got the job at Tempo. And I knew once she got that, and she just told me, you know, I got a spot for you. You're going to come. So I, I committed. I didn't even go on a visit, never been a tempo. I just knew it was in Philly. And once the season was over, I went straight to my coach. It's like, hey, I'm sorry, but I, I have to leave. And they understood. Like, they understood where I was coming from. Um, So, yeah, I left Rice State, and then I ended up at Tempo. And it was the best decision I made. Wow. That, that I, first of all, if no one's ever told you this before, you're a great storyteller. I really <laughs> enjoyed you. You brought me into it. I was, I was feeling the vibes of it. Well, fast forward many, many years. Uh, well, not many, many, but a few years. And now it's, it's 2020. The wobble season comes to be, if, if you're, if you're okay with it, tell us your story of went down there. I mean, you were with the mystics, they cut you, you signed with the mercury team that at least in my opinion, had a clearly larger upside for this season. And, you know, not to spill tea left and right, but there was quotes that were out there from Coach T venting some frustration about went down there. And I don't think it's fair that we haven't been able to hear your perspective on what went down. And and too often the narrative isn't created by the player. So I want to give you an opportunity, if you want to, uh, to express kind of what went down in undoubtedly the craziest WNBA season of all time. Well, yeah. Um, well, sometime before the season started, uh, Coach T, he had called me um, and I thought he was just, you know, giving me a time and date to come down for the uh, championship ring ceremony. He actually offered me a spot on a team, which is refreshing because, you know, previous times you get a training camp contract and it's like so much pressure to to be perfect. Like you feel like one mistake or I'm going to get cut and you start overthinking and you stressing out. So it's the first time I was able to go into a training camp session knowing that I'm already on the team, you know? So, so that felt good. You know, I, I get there. I was super excited. Um, I, I was semi in shape, you know, COVID had just started. It wasn't many gyms open, but I was trying to just like run outside just to get my conditioning going. Um, and I don't, Personally, for me, I feel like I don't know what happened in my game. Like, I feel like this was my time to show what I can do. Maybe I overworked myself, but I didn't perform as well as I wanted to with Washington. You know, I might have like a, a good game here and there, but it was, for me, underwhelming. Like, I, I was just very um, frustrated. Um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't understand what wasn't clicking my shot. 
was just off. I couldn't hit a three. I couldn't do anything. Um, my defense was subpar, and, and I love defense. I'm a defensive player. I take pride in it. And something just wasn't wasn't working. We started off pretty good the first three, four games, and then we went on a losing streak, and then it just got real, real chaotic. So, you know, fast forward to about July, I think it was, um, he had he had brought me in um, the room, and at this point, they had released Essence at this point. So I already had in my mind, like, I'm next. Like, it just, it wouldn't be right if I didn't get cut at some point of the season. Just that That's just what how it goes for me. So he called me in. He's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry to do this, but we want to go in a different direction. Um, we want to, you know, go with younger players to see if we can build for next season. Um, he's like, you know, he was talking about the uh, the draft picks he, he, he picked. And he's like, we just want to see how they work for the system for next year. We can, you know, keep them X, Y, and Z. And I respected that. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I understand the direction you're going in. All, all is good. And then I, I left. Um, so then I was starting to hear a couple of days later that um, Phoenix may or may not have um, been interested in, in signing me. Um, and I guess it was like a, a conversation within the Washington team as to whether to maybe bring me, sign. I guess once Essence salary clear I'm not really sure the details he had money to bring me back or something like that so he kind of just posed a question like you know should we bring Shay back or should we you know bring in somebody else and I, I from my understanding the majority of people said bring bring me back so we had a, a off day he calls me he's like hey you know we want to bring you back x y and z so I, initially I said yes I was like you know I I, I did like the team I, I would like to finish finish out the season I'll stay. But once we had, we had a beach day and we was all together and I don't know, something just didn't feel right with me being there again. Like I had just got cut again. Now you want to bring me back. Um, I'll be lying if I said I can come with the same energy and positive positiveness that I usually have. Cause I, I just didn't feel like I belonged anymore. Like you just wanted to let me go two days ago. And now for whatever reason you bring you want to bring me back. So then we left the beach day. My agent had called. He's like, Hey, Phoenix is um, they want to see if you would like to sign with them. And then he's like, you know, uh, you already know what you're gonna get out of Washington. Why not try something different? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but I think you'll regret um not not taking a chance. And I and I agree, like, you know, I, I know where I stand with the Washington team. Um, I have a bunch of love and respect for them. But I need something different. Like I, my mind wasn't in it. I was I was falling into depression yeah. again. I was falling out of love with the game, and I was like, I wouldn't feel right if I didn't give Phoenix a, a chance, whether I make the team or not. Just to say, I, I gave it a shot, and it was the best decision I made. Like I felt like I was a part of the team, even though I had just got there, you know, weeks weeks in, and you know, I didn't play right away, but just being around a team building chemistry, like, you know, making bonds with different players. I loved it. And, you know, the rest, the rest is history after that. So that, that, that's, that was, that's, I, my I, side. like, I know there was like, you know, he, there was speculation, like she said she come, was going to come back and change her mind, which is true. But I think 
for me, it was you wanted to go in a direction to test out your younger players to build for next season. And I 100% agree with that and respect that. But I think somewhere the narrative got changed. To, I, I knew about clearance of salaries or something like that, or I let them down. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't true. <laughs> like I did commit to say that, but literally the next day or that same day, I let them know, like, I, I can't. And I, I don't regret that part. Like, cause I, I'm, I'm a pretty up, up upspoken person. I, I keep it real. And I feel like it would have just been bad if I stayed, you know, it, it wouldn't have done me any well. It wouldn't have done them any well. And they wouldn't have got the chance to see the young girls shine. I think it benefited, it benefited them in, in the long run and me as well. No, I, I- and honestly, I, I appreciate your candidness and, and your openness to share that with us. Because I think a lot of people, you know, when you don't hear things from both sides, you kind of let the the rumors and, and let your mind go wild with it and create stories that just aren't true. So I really appreciate that. You had mentioned something, though, that there was like a day, maybe two day period of time where you weren't signed to a team. And I think something that all of our listeners during the, the wobble, the bubble season were, were so curious about where were you during that period of time? Because obviously you didn't, you know, break COVID protocol and leave the bubble because then you would have to spend however many days getting back in. So, you know, was there like a ho- like a set of hotel rooms that anybody who was cut or who was a free agent would go to for that period of time? Or like, how did what, what happened there? No, like we all stayed, well, a couple of teams stayed in this one main hotel and each floor had about two teams on it. So I stayed in my room and literally the next door over was Coach T's room. The next door over was <laughs> the coach was the trainer. So we was all within like a little six six room area. So I would try to talk to the girls, okay, when are you guys going to practice? So I can go down and get some food because I, I felt weird running into them. Like, but we can yeah. walk out our door or get stuck in the elevator. And it's like, okay, this awkward <laughs> silent so I did my best to either stay in my room or <laughs> when they left um I went downstairs got some air in the pool or whatever but I was really I could knock on the wall and he would he would hear me not so it was extremely awkward there was no and that's the thing about the bubble there was nowhere to go to get you know some peace yeah. of mind and it's like and then you know oh everybody knows you're cut so you go downstairs everybody's looking at you like oh what you gonna do are you gonna go another team are you gonna go home it was just awkward so oh, I, I ordered food yeah. I stayed in my room as long as I could and I did like I was just packing was like okay I'm ready to go as soon as the wave is clear and I can go because I didn't expect another team to pick me up I didn't to me I didn't prove anything that I deserved to be in the bubble or everybody was all the rosters already filled up or teams that could pick me up they had like three games left until they were knocked out so it was like okay well at least I can say I was in the bubble and you know for whatever reason I'll make it so let me just get the packing so I was pretty much 90% packed by the time coach T saw me and I knew about Phoenix but we was all all right there just (laughs) awkward (laughs) That, yeah, that was uh, that was my question, Aria. Great one. I, I was curious, like <laughs> you have, you know, people advising you of like, hey, like wait a few days and just see what happens. Or were you pretty much on your way out? Um, which it sounds like that's that was kind of the case. So the timing of this is is really cool. Um, and I want to echo what Aria said about uh, your candidness and telling this story. Like I know we're getting pretty detailed with it, but I, I, I just think it's fascinating and um, it's a hell of a story, especially when you throw the, the bubble <laughs> into it. And 
um, obviously everything has worked out phenomenally. Um, so I want to talk about Phoenix. What has that been like? I mean, you kind of talked about the chemistry and um, that that new start and that new team, um, that new opportunity. What's it been like playing with DT and, and being coached by Sandy? Oh man, playing playing with DT was definitely a dream come true. Like she was my favorite player growing up. I love watching her at UConn. Um, when they had camps, I went to two of their camps, and then my last year, she was my was my coach, and we ended up winning the championship. So I got to be like around her all wow. the time. So that was it was awesome in that aspect. And then now I can I'm able to call her a teammate and can talk to her and not feel like oh I'm just this weird. 30, 31 year old basketball player underneath you, like, hey, now, now I can ask you about things. And just like getting her advice. Like, I, I was in a shooting slump. I was telling her, like, you know, I'm in a shooting slump. And she was just like, you know, just keep shooting. Like, that's my only advice. Keep shooting, keep shooting. And just being around her and just just seeing how real she is. She she works hard. Um, her approach to the game and her confidence, like, her confidence is unmatched. I wish I had the confidence she has, which is why she's probably the, the great player she is right now. So, so that that was just I don't think I could put in the right words to say how that felt being her teammate at, at that moment. Um, and, and Coach Sandy, she was great. She was really welcoming. Um, you know, she let me know that you know we're not really expecting too much from you. Don't feel like you know you have to come in and score this amount of points and do this. Like you know, you're new, it's a transition. Take your time. Get to learn the plays, the system. And then, you know, take it day by day. And, and that helped a lot. Like, I, I felt relaxed. Like, I'm like, okay, there's not much more I can do wrong. Um, they already got their offensive scoring power in Sky. And I think Bria had got injured by this point in, um, in DT. So I was like, you know, I'm just here to do, do my job, you know, bring some defensive and um, aggressive, aggressiveness to the team and just – take it one day at a time. So it, it was a great experience. Um, the girls were great. They welcomed me with open arms. Um, I knew Shatori because we played in Washington. So that kind of helped having somebody you already know. You know, I played against Bria in EuroLeague and MBG. So it, it, it was a good moment. That's that's so cool. Especially, I, I love that UConn story. That's just amazing. <laughs> but I have to ask, you make that game winner. Maybe Coach T saw the future and he realized like a day later, he's like, oh, crap, she's about to destroy us in the playoffs. And that's why I don't know what it is. But I believe I heard that that was your first ever game winner. Is that true? Yeah, it's, it's true. I've never hit a buzzer beater like that. Maybe, you know, you hit a shot with like 20 seconds left and that shot ended up winning the game. But like an actual buzzer beater, that was that was my first. I mean, that's like being a kid on the on the driveway, you know, or on the blacktop, just you know, five, four, shooting yeah. it. Did did you keep any memorabilia from that game? Did you keep the ball? Like, I the the joy. I think that was one of the most honest interviews I've ever seen in a post game interview. Oh, when Holly was interviewing you after that, that was just amazing and and candid and real. What like what were you able to keep from that moment um, as a commemoration of that? Because that was just an amazing night. Yeah. I actually didn't think to keep the ball. It was just so many emotions going on in my head. Like all I have is the memories from that moment and like the videos everybody shares on you know social media. But I uh, just uh, the feeling of when the ball went in is like 
you don't know how to react. You're like your soul just leaves your body, and all, all I can do is just turn, and then you see Diana just running straight at me. I'm not sure what she said, but I'm just looking at her, just smiling, and I don't think I said a word for a good five minutes. I just was smiling. My ears, my ears and cheeks were hurting from smiling so much. I I couldn't believe it. And once they said, you know, the basket counted, uh, it was just an it was it was a it was a bittersweet moment if I have to be honest. Like, you know, obviously the biggest highlight in my career, biggest shot in my career at a at, you know, the top stage, top moment. But even though, you know, Washington let me go, I think I I, I did owe a lot of me being there because of, you know, Washington. If he didn't bring me back to the bubble or let me stay with them last season when um when they won, I wouldn't have been in this moment. So it kinda it kinda felt off not it kinda felt bad because it was against them. But then you switch it around, you think of everything I've been through and went through and it, it just it it just wouldn't have been the highlight or the epicness if it wasn't against them. So <laughs> Oh, they're gonna be so mad. It, it's a story. It's definitely a story that should be turned into a movie at some point. <laughs> just saying. I mean, it was definitely a top, probably three moment in the in the WNBA that past the past season. I mean, it was it was really incredible. Uh, we we couldn't have you on the show and not talk about this shot. Um, I want to talk about moving forward. I mean, obviously you're 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 currently playing, so very much wrapped up in that. But um, talking about your off season from the WNBA growth, um, your own personal growth, whether that be offensively, defensively, um, where's your mindset with that? And how are you approaching this period of time headed into the spring? Um, at this point, I'm just trying to get my body, my body, right. Um, eating better, taking better care of my body, trying to do yoga. Like I, I was never really a big stretcher, but I realized, you know, as I climbed that age ladder, my body doesn't move the way it used to. So I think for me, it's really learning, what works for me. And then on the court, um, getting my, my, my shot, right. You know, I, I had tennis elbow for uh, a long time and it got worse in the bubble in the beginning of the season of Turkey. It really got bad. So I was able to get some treatment on that. Um, and we have a lot of breaks, so it's able to heal. So now that I'm feeling comfortable with my shot again, I think my overall offensive game is, is starting to flow. Um, Defensively, I feel like I'm not really sure how once you hit a certain age how you can practice defense. It's either it's a it's, it's a pride thing. Either you got it or you don't. So I think my defense is where it needs to be. Obviously, you know, it could be better. It will be better. But for me, I'm just working on um different situations. I come off a pick and roll, working on my mid range game. Um, and just trying to keep my conditioning up and, and getting in the weight room. Um, I did realize when I got to the bubble, uh, a lot of the girls were very muscular, <laughs> stronger than me, and I, I, I'm a pretty thin thing. So I think I'm in the weight room now, just trying to build some muscle, um, get some strength back. So I'm a hundred percent once I get to the bubble. I do want to ask you before we get to some rapid fire, you know, we've talked a lot about your story, your journey, all the things you have a really unique outlook. Um, what advice would you give to um, a young girl who has dreams of, of playing professional basketball or even making it to the WNBA? Um, it, it might sound cliche, but I would say don't give up. Like if you, if you have a dream, 
and you want something and you're passionate about it and willing to put in the work, the long hours, whether through the good and the bad, stick with it. Um, don't let people who's not in your circle tell you you can't do this because you might be too small or you don't you're not going to a top school or you don't have this name, you know, to to throw out there. It doesn't matter. Like I think now you'll see a lot mid major girls in the league. Everybody has their own story. Um People are going undrafted, making the league, getting MVPs. So just just keep working. Like, but you have to want it. You can't. Somebody can't want it more than you want it. If if you're not willing to sacrifice your summers, hanging with friends, going to parties, you know, stuff that normal normal people who don't play sports do, then it's not for you. Like, um, to get to this point, you have to really grind and sacrifice a lot that you will probably will never be able to get back, but it'll be worth it if this is what your dream is and it's what you truly want. So just don't give up, work on your game, and just go after it. Love it. Well, we always like to do rapid fire when we get to speak to players, and we put rapid fire in quotes. Don't feel pressured to answer in a rapid form because <laughs> sometimes these questions – uh, aren't the most uh, the most rapid fire questions, but we we try. Um, what is your go to pregame meal? Ooh, spaghetti. Oh, okay. With a sauce or just like oh, plain butter yeah. spaghetti? Uh, marinara sauce and some mozzarella cheese for sure. Definitely gotta have spaghetti. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Favorite country to visit? Not play in. Visit. Ooh, Greece. I went to Santorini oh. uh, about two years ago and loved it. And now Greece is definitely my go-to spot. <laughs> Adding that to the list. Uh, do you have any superstitions regarding your game? I know some players always have to use their left hand to drink a water bottle or the Gatorade. Some <laughs> players have to tie one shoe before the other. Do you have any superstitions? Uh, No, not really. Um, Yeah, no, I don't have any superstitions. I just go... And go with the flow, whatever, whatever the day feels like. <laughs> Honestly, it's more interesting when people don't have superstitions because I find that more rare than the people with superstitions. So that's cool to hear. Um, normally, we ask toughest player you've guarded in the W, but because you have such an extensive overseas career, I want to open it up to toughest player you've ever guarded in your life. And you can, hey, you can even go back to the blacktop days when you're growing up. Hmm, toughest player to guard. I would have to say, as a guard position, I would have to say it would be Avon Turner. Uh, we played against each other in EuroLeague, and her quickness and her first step really is is really special. And that was a tough matchup. Um, I think she beat me <laughs> beat me both games. So yeah, I, I'll definitely give the nod to her. <laughs> Hopefully we see her back in the W soon and she's healed up. What song do you have on repeat right now? We're stumped on the music. (laughs) (laughs) I currently am listening to Damage. (laughs) Damage by her. (laughs) That song is on repeat. Okay. All right. There we go. And now our last question. It's not rapid fire at all, but you have a great overseas career. Can you just tell us, when somebody says, you know, playing basketball overseas, do you have a crazy story that comes to mind? We've heard some horror stories. We've heard some 
uh, I don't know what the opposite of a horror story, like a heaven story. I don't know. But do you have any crazy overseas story uh, that pops in your mind when we say crazy overseas story? Crazy overseas stories. Um, I've I've had some wild experiences. Like I, I've gotten to bar. I, I got into a fight. It's probably not a great story, but it was just funny because <laughs> I had, it was me and another teammate, and we ended up getting in a fight against four other guys. Um, details really don't matter why the fight started, but we got into a fight, and then the bar, the uh, the bouncers out of all six of us, I'm the shortest. They take me <laughs> and they pick me up and they just toss me out out the door. And come, looking back at it, I was telling my mom like, I don't understand how everybody is fighting. They're all taller than me, bigger than me, and they pick the the littlest person to toss them. And, like, and my teammates like, yeah, that's just what they do overseas. Like, you know, I'm like, but me, like, I'm like, I weigh nothing. And I tell, I don't know why, that's just like, I, I still can't believe I, they tossed me like I was just food in their teeth. They just pick out and just fuck me across. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining the scene from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when yeah, Uncle no, Bill yes, jazz like out. That. Like they swung me one way. <laughs> And they just let me go. And then I'm just sitting there as I'm floating through the air. Like, I'm about to hit this ground really, really hard. And I did. Everybody got the cameras out and recorded me. I'm like, ah, this is so embarrassing. That's probably the craziest, my craziest overseas story. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And for, honestly, your candidness throughout this whole interview, we really appreciate you. Wish you not only the best luck in this in the rest of your season in Turkey, but also in the upcoming WNBA season. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see you in person and all this COVID craziness will be done and the WNBA season will be in full form this coming season. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.